Hello, and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mosk, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we are answering listener questions in the episode 70 extravaganza. Welcome to the episode 70 extravaganza, dear listeners. Uh, I'm Alex, and my question for you uh, this time around is, if you could open a restaurant in a fantasy world, what sort of fantasy restaurant would you have? Oh, I like it. I'm Freya, and my question for you is, what one skill would you most like to have downloaded Matrix style into your brain? Oh no, all of them. Uh, my question, oh, I'm Macy, which I briefly forgot. Hi. <laughs> Okay, scenario. It's 50 minutes till your flight boards and you made it through security fast as a greased eel. What is your airport lurking spot and what do you do once you get there? We are three red-headed fantasy authors who really miss airports, if you can't tell. (laughs) We do really miss airports. Liminal space, people. Liminal space. They are liminal spaces. Um, Liminal spaces with really good cheese. Yeah. Yes, all of those things. God, I'm just having Let's like get away from that. a transporting memory of the last time I was in the Qantas lounge at Heathrow. They have a gin and tonic menu. The worst airport I've ever been oh, in God. is Newark. It's oh, a terrible hellscape. Yes. Can't recommend yes. it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> hello, dear listeners. Uh, it is the extravaganza, um, the very special time of year that comes around twice a year, um, where we are a- answering all of your burning questions, yep. your um, crucial curiosities that you have sent in to us over the past couple weeks. But before we get into all of those fascinating quandaries, what have we been... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> But before we get into all of those fascinating quandaries, what have we been reading, fellow serpents? I am a bit behind the times, but I've finally picked up Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow, which is the story of him breaking the Harvey Weinstein story. But it's also the story of the story in that he talks about how he put together the news at NBC and how the story was quashed from higher up. And how Weinstein managed to exert influence to squash the story and how that had been going on for years and years and years. It's an amazing book. It's a really interesting piece of reporting. It is obviously a bit of a hard and depressing read at times, uh, but it's told fantastically, so I definitely recommend it. Uh, In fan fiction news, the (laughs) long, 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 long supernatural au fanfic down to agincourt which i discussed in our epics episode yay many years ago has updated for the first time in three years the author just dropped two twenty-five thousand word each <laughs> chapters onto book wow. four the game of god which is now oh five hundred and seventy thousand words long the entire series is sitting wow. at something like 1.2 million so I've been rereading the fourth book slowly in, to remind myself of what the hell is going on so that I can reread the new chapters. So that's been taking some time. <laughs> I really feel like authors of stuff that's both that long and has had a long break should post like a courtesy summary, like in case you missed it previously on. I th- it would like- just, it would, the summary would just be <laughs> almost as long as the book, I feel. I think she has a character wiki. 
and a timeline. It's it's very complicated. Anyway, darling listeners, this is the fic that was too long for me. Yeah. Mm. Um, Macy, in the meantime, has been reading things in the one week since we last recorded an episode because our timelines are hilarious. Um, we, I, we, you guys didn't help me with this. You guys never help me read things. It's very mean. Um, I... <laughs> Your powers are too intense, Macy. If we helped you read things, you'd be like, come back and be like, I've read 17 books and 14 (laughs) fanfictions that were all over 100,000 words. Listen, Freya, you consistently read more things than I do on these episodes, week after week. So, Macy has read two things um, that she is going to cop to. One was N.K. Jemisin's story collection, which came out, I believe, last year, uh, and is called How Long Till Black History Month which I intended to sip, but instead devoured because she is a master and I worship her. Um, yes. And I have also been reading an unfinished 77,000 word Hannibal fic by, yes- by Jessica called What the Water Gave Me, which is a fic. Good title. Which, it's a great title. It's a very Macy title. Love us some Florence. <laughs> Love us some Florence. Um, it's a fic in which Will never left Louisiana and Hannibal became the investigator with the BAU and they all go down to uh, Nolens in the middle of the 2011 flood season when all of the levees were opened and a lot of the surrounding neighborhoods were flooded. And it's just really masterful um, atmospheric writing from someone who lives in the area getting into what it's like to live in a land where half of the towns and everything around you is just underwater. Mm. It's super, super cool, and it last updated a week ago, so I am not concerned about wrecking an ongoing piece. Yeah. Have you ever been to New Orleans, Macy? I have not, no. I have, and it's an extremely cool city. I recommend going sometime uh, one day when the pandemic is over. Yeah, I'll Um, have to try. Yes. Uh, They have an amazing sandwich in uh, New Orleans called a muffalata. It is the best sandwich in the entire world. This fic comes with side notes that include like forensic analysis and maps and also recipes. And it has a recipe for the muffalata. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Very good. Uh, it has it has indeed been only a week uh, since we recorded the last episode. Uh, I've read some fanfic, nothing of real import. Um, but the one really cool thing that I uh, consumed this week was Knock Down the House, which is a Netflix documentary about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and how her um, election campaign happened and the whole process. And like, it's apparently like they had uh cameras there and they filmed so much in real time of how it was happening and so you see all of these people and their real actual genuine reactions and it's so moving and so beautiful and i really really recommend it um Mm -hmm. it's on netflix i think it's also on youtube uh so check that out you also got bitten, I'm guessing, from your previous discussions by Blazeball. Oh, yes. I also did get into <laughs> into Blazeball. Which is like a werewolf, I understand. You get bitten and then that's it. And then it just happens, yeah. Because, um, heads up, dear listeners, we're going to be talking about sports ball in one of the upcoming episodes. And so I was like, I will take the hit. <laughs> I will be the one to do research and get into a sport. <laughs> this is not a sport. It Alexandra. is a sport. It- 
No, it is a sport because like sports are basically fandom, except it's about like a physical activity. You are clenching your eyes together like I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong. Chess is not a sport. So it's it's a fascinating fandom experience. I have learned what it is. I have learned the quiet dignity of oh, having God. your your team be the worst team in the league um, because I'm supporting the Boston Flowers, uh, who got eliminated today. Listen, as, as the only jock on the podcast and scraping into that label by the barest of margins, yep. I yep. agree with Macy. It's not a sport. I was a jock in high school. Um I just gave it up for Lent and then never picked it back up again. I'm not even Catholic. Sure. sure. Um, dear <laughs> listeners, I'm not going to even try to explain baseball to you right now because we have um, other things to talk about. Just Google baseball. Well, it's like baseball, but with an L in it. <laughs> you should actually, we can link in the show notes, Cat Manning's article about it. Has an, Kat, so Cat has an explainer that I understand is wonderful. very explicatory. See, I read the, the explainer word. and I still did not get it. So, okay. Basically, the elevator pitch oh for baseball is think of baseball, Sorry, but Night Vale. Yep, yep. Think yep. of baseball and yep. what? Night Vale. Base- baseball, but Night Vale. I think baseball hosted by Tim Burton. This may be coming from yep. the fact that I know nothing about baseball and do not understand yep. it as a sport and have no interest in learning about it as a sport. So it's fine. Baseball. It's one of the ones that has a stick and a ball, but only one ball. So it's not quite as masculine as it could be. Anyway, let's move on. Let's ask some questions of ourselves. All right, let's start off. So, Eddie on Twitter asked, how do you decide what topics to cover? Who decides and who picks tent poles? Ringing silence. Chaos. (laughs) Chaos, What we were trying to convey with that ringing silence was (laughs) the inherent chaos nature of our decision-making process. Okay. okay, I think that that's unfair because all of us are very type A. Uh, Freya is the most type Correct. A. I am the least type A. Macy is comfortably in the middle. Um, and so, like, usually it happens that when we finish recording an episode, we sit down and I say, hey, is there any business that we need to do? I don't think so. We're covered. And then I try to hang up and Macy's <laughs> like, well, actually, we need to come up with like five more episodes. And I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. Okay. So I think that the main way that this works is we kind of throw around either topics or pieces of media that we really, really like. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, we're going to be doing a sports ball thingamy coming up because Freya fell in love with Haikyuu. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And charged into the group chat and said, I have to do something to do with Haikyuu fanfiction. Can we do a sports ball episode? Yes. And then we have no idea what we're going to put in that slot, but we'll figure it out. Um, Or we come around and we're like, oh, we really liked this novella by Kaya Shanti Wilson. And I'm like, what's it about, Freya? Freya's like, um, wizards and immortals. (laughs) And then we're like, okay, we can do an immortals episode. And then we Mm -hmm. kind of throw around tent poles together. I think I probably do a little bit more of the tentpole finding. You do, because you have just a very good brain for like remembering things that you have read, and I do not. I, think <laughs> I just categorize a lot by instinct. But then a lot of the times yeah. what I will do is I'll be like, hmm, I think there are lots of Yuri on Ice crossovers. Freya, go find a Yuri on Ice crossover that you've read and liked. It's Which just, is yeah. unhelpful. Yeah, I think the thing is that Macy also <laughs> reads a lot more fanfic. 
and a lot mm. more broadly across fandoms and right. lengths That's and genres. True. So when we're trying to pick the fanfic tentpole, Macy is the one who is the most likely to be able to pluck out of her very neatly categorized brain the perfect fanfic for that. And then we'll say it's only 56,000 words long. And because <laughs> Alex and I have been <laughs> trapped in this podcast with Macy for years, we will go, hmm, only 56,000 words long. That sounds like a very reasonable length. <laughs> And then we'll read it. That's extremely true. In the last episode, in the Immortals episode, I gave you a 9,000 word fanfic. I know. We wondered if there was something wrong. I'm going to be riding on that one for a while. I I think Um, I probably have a tendency to inflict novels on the other two, unfortunately. So Freya gives us lots of novels. And Freya, if we ever have a novel that is not science fiction or fantasy, it's usually coming through Freya. Because I think you read a bit more in the romance side of things and in the literary side yes. of things because Alex and I are specfic gremlins. Correct. Correct. Yes. And Alex is good at um, having obscure movies like yes, Russian Alex dragon movie. Like, you should watch this Russian film or this Korean film. And we're like, Alex, what is happening? <laughs> I have never I have never thought about that. But yeah, I guess I I guess I do. Yep. Um cuz I do like to watch a lot of like cool weird foreign uh fantasy films. Alex is trying to get us to do an an cricket movie, was it? Bollywood cricket? Yeah, Lagan. Yeah, Yeah. uh, a a, uh, Indian uh, Hindi uh, movie about cricket, which is actually about colonialism, and it's incredibly very cool, and I will be talking about it on the Sports Ball episode. I'm excited to hear Uh, about it. So look forward to that. So yeah, Macy, I think, comes up with most of the tent poles. We sort of collectively come up with topics together. Um, it's been kind of interesting the last the last three years to see how our, our podcast tasks have sorted out because mm. it seems like Freya's the one who usually comes up with the, the majority of the dot points mm-hmm. and then Macy's the one coming up with the majority of like the tent poles and then I'm the one doing the audio editing. Yes. Yeah. So it all sort of works out and it's balanced. It's and Freya good, also good times. puts tent poles, puts tent poles, puts uh, all of our dot points in an order that in makes order. something like a reasonable episode, as yes. opposed to as aforementioned the gremlins on the podcast <laughs> who will just yell about yes. anything. We're quite happy. Essential yelling. tasks. Essential <laughs> tasks. Well, it makes me feel like I am contributing something because you you two do a lot of the outside the podcast itself work. Mm. time zones isn't it nice to not be in a situation where you're the one doing all the homework mm. i think that we all kind of got traumatized uh yeah. when we were in school by like <laughs> being assigned to a group project and then having to be the one to do the group project and so we're all constantly like shit i need to be contributing more to the podcast <laughs> so why wait um so yeah it works we out <clears throat> we do macy question yes. next question tobias on twitter asked what would be your ideal three-genre mashup novel, either to write or to read? So I feel like I have just written my ideal three-genre mashup novel because my debut, which is which is coming out next year, is a mashup of historical fiction, fantasy fiction, and romance, which is probably my ideal three-genre mashup. That said, I would also really like to write a mashup that contains a traditionally structured murder mystery. Because I do have some... I love that for you. mm, Me too. I think I'd be terrible at it the first time. Because I've got a couple of murders in my books, but they're not structured like murder mysteries. But I love the idea of trying that really classic, you know, going and searching for clues, finding red herrings, (laughs) getting information out of people at different times. 
I know, something about the way those books are structured really appeals to the type anus dot point arranging I'm part of my brain. You're, you're very good. You're very, very good, much better than the other two of us at having a structure and an outline of your projects and kind of everything neatly in its place. Yeah, and I think that would lend itself to writing murder mm-hmm. mysteries or classically structured mysteries. And I'd like to try that at some point. And it probably would be mashed up with either fantasy or historical or both. And of course, there would be romance mm. in there because it's me. I could see you on a sci-fi one too, maybe. But Alex, what are yours? So uh, I, like Freya, have the joyful situation of I have just written my my ideal three genre mashup uh, fantasy novel, which is romance and fantasy and kind of like solving a what's the I guess it's not really a mystery. What is that third genre? Intrigue. Intrigue. Yeah, kind of like, like an intrigue, intrigue thing. Uh, political, political yeah. uh, intrigue kind of thing. Yeah. Because um, then you have that has like a lot of people, and I feel like my strength as a writer is really like characters. I think for me, I really like aesthetics, um, mm. and so the project I'm working on at the moment is a combination of numinous fantasy space bullshit and disaster yep. movie we love all of these things right? yes they're all just like i'm so excited aesthetics. for this book it's, it's such a macy, macy like, book you have no idea i love this whole thing just, yeah i'm just like really concerned i'm gonna pop back up from quarantine land and be like hi agents have some sci-fi and she's like you said you were never going to write sci-fi i'm like it has fucky gods in it so i guess it's like historical fantasy but the historical is the future no no space space fantasy is a legitimate genre and i feel like it's one where macy could do some very very good work i get to do magnet things and like (laughs) rotational velocity it's great magnets how do they work <laughs> with science oh my god did you guys with see science. the uh the news uh story about a scientist in australia who was testing magnets and got like extremely strong industrial research magnets and got them stuck on either side of his nose <laughs> and then couldn't oh god, get them is... out because they're industrial oh strength magnets this is why buckyballs are illegal because kids would swallow them and they'd perforate the intestines yes yeah yeah, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> magnets, actually dangerous. Um, don't eat them. <laughs> don't eat magnets, children. Or put them up your nose. <laughs> Sorry, sidetracked, Alex, but it was a very funny article. Ourselves. That is very funny. I would love to save us from ourselves. Uh, Alejandra asks us, when writing, how many drafts do you usually make before a manuscript is ready? Does this number change between your original work and your fanfics? Yes, it does. <laughs> when I write fanfic, yes, I write it. <laughs> And then I go through and maybe tweak the words a little tiny bit. And then I'm like, eh, done. I have never really done a second full draft of a fanfic. I just tweak some little bits and then it goes up because fanfic writing is the fun play space where I don't have to worry about things like revisions. Yeah. Yeah. There are no editors who come and yell at you about the pacing. Right. And I feel like with fanfic, like you're generally setting out to like do a thing. And like you kind of do the thing in one chunk. Whereas if you're writing a novel, like a novel, like it's sort of like with writing a short story, like you have an idea for a short story and I have never written a short story in my life. So I don't actually, I'm talking out of my ass here, but you have an idea for a short story and it's tying them in a chunk and you just like do the chunk and then it's done. Um, but with novels, like they're longer and they're more complicated. And sometimes you just go in a completely wrong direction and you have to like 
haul things in a different direction and fix it. Macy, tell us about Catalyst. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you about the Salt Crypts of Joel, which Ooh, is a short the story. Six- 1,900 word short story the anthology cap was 7,000 that I wrote for Silk and Steel which went through three major revisions including I believe it started at 8,000, Freya got me to delete 2,000 words, my then editor got me to delete 1,700 words, the entire first scene and then add them back again somewhere else so (laughs) when you ask how many edits are short story goes through and then there's the volcano story that i first wrote as a poem and then as a flash and now as a story Um, yeah darling listeners as you are learning macy is not very good at deciding what she's doing in advance and so macy has to decide it repeatedly and redo it Mm, it's a valid process yeah so seven seven is about the answer to the question i'm thinking about what draft number i'm on at the moment for a marvelous light and i think it is a cat Oh, hello, cat. Shoulder cat. Shoulder cat. Important shoulder shoulder cat news. (laughs) She's on the back of my chair. Uh, Anyway. She's very cute. Very cute monster. Continue. Yes, important cat interlude. I'm trying to think about what (laughs) (laughs) what draft number I'm on for A Marvelous Light. I think I did two revisions of it with my agent before we went on sub. The first of those was probably the most significant. Nothing really got moved around in terms of enormous structural changes. I deleted a minor character. I deleted a scene. I pulled out about 10,000 words, but most of the bones of it stayed exactly the same. We then did a second more refined revision where even less changed, but more words came out. And then I've since done a revision with my editor where, again, I deleted some words because I had to add in quite a bit but we wanted the word count to stay around the same, which is a magic trick that you are always expected to play in the publishing arena. And it's horrible. Oh yeah. Well, we need to like cut it down, just streamline it a little bit. Oh, but you need to explain this, 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 and add in this. But see, (laughs) when I say seven for Catalyst, I have written entirely from scratch things that would be completely unrecognizable to both of you. Um, three times and then done a 70% from scratch rewrite again. See, to me, that is also a magic trick. It makes 400,000 words of writing catalyst at least, plus the interim editing bits. That make, the idea yep. makes me want to crawl out of my skin because I don't like revisions, but you're getting yep. very good at revisions, whereas I will I'm have to heavily, heavily revise and rewrite the uh, threesome Slytherins on Magical Australia novel that I wrote last yeah. year, which is a bit of a mess. And the very idea, yeah. I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, it's going to be horrible. No, you just start again. You just pick up the yeah. characters and the stuff that you love and the scenes that you love in the back of your head, but you don't take any of the words and it's fine. No, I love it's my words. Yeah. I like- oh, Freya. Oh, Freya. This is why I have to outline extensively in advance and then get the outline okayed yeah. by people so that I can just write it and then be done. listeners... Together we make one novelist. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I think these days my process is kind of settling into, like, since I'm I'm writing much faster these days, I tend to do a really messy first draft uh, and then show it to Macy and Freya. And they're like, ve- they very politely don't tell me that it's terrible um, because they're very kind and gentle souls, really. Uh, no, because we're from and, Commonwealth countries. <laughs> and because they're com- from Commonwealth we countries. We say things That's like, really is. this they're- is a little confusing. <laughs> 
So I this do is, feel like this you have is quite good. To do better here. <laughs> they, they say this is quite good, but they mean it in Commonwealth, <laughs> and they know that I will understand it in American. <laughs> fine, fine. Um, Perhaps we might accelerate so, things a little bit through the depression part. <laughs> perhaps 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 um and so yeah I, I, these days i write like a really messy first draft and then i revise really hard right. once um but you know every book is different some books take multiple drafts and some are faster <laughs> all right continue? let's continue yes so emily lomax of the sorting hat chats hi emily <laughs> says hey lovely humans hi, emily. can you please expand on macy's theories <laughs> On Alex only ever writing <laughs> variations on quantum time magic, because that sounds fascinating. Yeah. So to be clear, Alex does not only write variations on quantum time magic. Alex has a world where most of their novels take place. And that world has very many cool types of magic that are small magics. And we were having sushi one time and Alex was like, I don't know if these make sense as part of the same version of physics as each other, but that's not yeah. what I'm really trying to do. And I was like, ah, right. we can do this. I was like, I was like, I'm looking for kind of like a grand unified theory of magic. Like, what's the thing that links all of these things together? And Macy was immediately like, oh, it's quantum. And I'm like, the fuck does that mean? Well, Why do you always say weird words at me? It's time. All of your stuff yeah. is um, yes. the, the superposition of time and state and like matter state. Um, and so any of your types of magic, there's, there's you know, the, the black witches, right? Where mm -hmm. that's about like the state of death, which is very much yes. to do with time as it relates to life cycles. Yeah, um, entropy. Then, yeah, entropy. Um, there's a bunch of stuff with Shukwa, right? Where that's super like communicating across distances don't really matter if you've met someone at some point in the timeline and you are able to kind of pretend that the time is the same right that mm -hmm. you are now back at the point where you communicated with them uh, and then you can talk to them before you ever met uh, so there's a lot of stuff that can kind of be compressed like the dream stuff yeah because they were yeah, destined like the dream to meet stuff. they've already right. met Right, right, right. Or or the um, metal magic, the touch tasting. You actually haven't read Kato book yet, have you? I have not, no. Um, but we talked so about you, that one. We did, because like that's also kind of related to time in that you touch some matter and you can kind of like sense where it used to be or what it used to be or something like that. Right, and it's existence th in the past. Existence in the past, right. Um, so... Yeah, that was that was a very fun and weird and surreal <laughs> lunch to, to be because I'm like, what are you talking? That was also the like, should I just spoil them for Shugwa? I think I don't want to spoil them for like the big fact about Shugwa just in case I ever get to write that yep, book. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun book, but uh... yeah, future Alex censor this part. Yeah, that part. Yeah, well, that's interesting yeah. because I want to know now what you guys think of the extra bits that I've added to A Marvelous Light because there's a bit more stuff to do with the way magic interacts with time. Because the mm -hmm. way I have Fun. constructed my magic system is that at the current level of understanding of magic in the period of history that we're playing with, in England, it is understood more or less in terms of classical mechanics. Mm. And any time magic nudges up against time and basically relativity, things get mushy. And Edwin, who is a very scientifically minded person, is very annoyed about the mushy edges of magic because he wants to understand them. But he is operating on a model 
of magic that can't quite explain them. And so there's this mixture of scientific magic and the mushy bits that we don't quite understand. And to what extent do we still have a sense of wonder about those or do they just piss us off, which is what Edwin's approach is. And you throw into the mix somebody who has a non-magical, extraordinary power of seeing the future. And to what extent is that possible? And I did a couple of little things in there to do with the uncertainty principle which yep. are probably yep. quite clear when you're reading the book but to the character who wants everything to be classical mechanics it's very frustrating turns yes. out the universe is not deterministic edwin <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry edwin <laughs> Sorry, Edwin. And I remember us having a fun chat about ley lines as well, Freya. Yes. And so one of the big themes in the book is that the way you think about magic determines how you can practice it. And Mm. if you are working off a different model or if you're prepared to go and examine your own assumptions and develop a completely different model, you might be able to do some different things. And that's something that I'm going to keep drawing out in book two and especially in book three. The TLDR of this is that Macy is the shadow behind the throne <laughs> and um, is solely responsible for coming up with all of like the weird. I just... <laughs> Remember that conversation we had that one time about time magic or quantum or ley lines? <laughs> I just really like <laughs> physics and I don't get to play yeah. with it very much. So doing the space stuff is super fun. But like a lot of if you ever ask me any of my magic systems, I can usually tell you like the flavor of the physical underpinning. Um, mm. Of course, it's not actually science because then we would have magic but i think that it's fun to play with um kind of theories of reality yeah and i think it's fun to play with like realizing that in your fantasy world their understanding of magic right now may not be the actual truth like they could have like more to to understand and explore because like that's how science be like if you think that we understand all of science right now that's ridiculous of course we don't we don't we don't even really know how gravity works we know how gravity works we just can't prove that we know it right correct which probably means (laughs) that we don't precisely know it frankly um, but we should take us ask away from all this the science. next question. <laughs> Eunice on Twitter asks, what's the top things you've learned about yourself from doing a podcast? And what one big tip would you give your younger selves if you could go back in time to when you were just about to start recording for the first time? Turn on your videos. <laughs> yes, Turn on your videos. so much easier. <laughs> that made a huge difference for us. I think we started doing that around, like, I want to say, like, episode seven or yeah, it was so. Yeah, really early. Um, because I know that we didn't have it for the economics episode. Mm. Um, and I think, like, I think the economics episode was the first one where it didn't quite go the way we wanted it to. And I think that it would have gone a little better if we had been able to have that visual communication. Um, so we could see, like, oh, someone wants to talk now. Or, um you know just body language and facial expressions has made such a huge huge difference for us what have you learned about yourself yeah what did you learn about yourself alex oh what have i learned about myself um in podcasting in podcasting right 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 i have learned i think we mentioned this a little bit earlier on about like being traumatized by group projects when we were (laughs) in in school um and so it really has kind of been like a really lovely revelation that like oh this is what uh, a long-term collaborative project can be like when other people are are invested and this can be like really fun and and cool 
uh, when everybody is like contributing and, and doing their part and is wanting to, to make something neat that they're passionate about. And I think I'm going to bounce off that, right? Um, this is yeah. about equity is not equality, right? We yeah. do not all yes, do yes, yes. the exact same things for this podcast. And the podcast would be worse if we did. Yes, yes. I think that's huge, yeah. Right? Like that was kind of hard to, to learn too it because is. like... Like, oh, no, I'm not doing enough of the dot points or, oh, no, I feel bad because I'm not coming up with enough of the the tent poles. And like once I sit back and like breathe, it's like, hey, it's OK. I don't have to do those things. I'm contributing in other ways. And right. like editing the episodes is super important. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like the dot points are super important and the tent poles are super important. And, and so also, like these... it's really nice to have at least one of us on this podcast who's actually been trained in analyzing stories. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> like me and Freya. I guess I did get an like, English degree. I'm spending too much time doing science college. <laughs> I don't know how books work. I just read them. Yeah. <laughs> well, but like you, if you read enough books and like you talk about books for, for long enough, that's kind of what an English degree we is, right? Really like instincts, but we don't have the language and we don't have the framework. Okay. So you bring that to the podcast. Thanks. And by, by, I hadn't really thought well, of Well, by doing the, the podcast for this long, we developed as any long running project will our own frameworks and our own language, which is why we can mm-hmm. sit here and be like, Oh, you know, like robot porn. And everyone's like, Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> as, if, yes. as if we've said, you know, post modernism or something. We, we understand what that <laughs> yeah. means. We've developed a shorthand yeah. for it. I, I think yeah. for me, um, it's that same thing about collaboration in that everybody puts on their CV that they are a team player and enjoys working in groups. Everybody is fucking <laughs> lying about that. Yeah. And as someone who has done only individual sports and hates team sports and whose hobbies are mostly solitary, doing a collaborative long-running project has been very good for me, I think, Mm. and has probably made it easier for me to walk into something like professional publishing where suddenly an extremely isolating individual hobby is something that you are expected to be doing as part of a team. And relying on other people to get their jobs done properly and et cetera, mm, And being et prepared to yeah. compromise on your beautiful, shining individual vision and accept that other mm. people have extremely valid and, you know, worthwhile experiences and points of view and maybe you should just shut up and do what your editor has told you to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we've also learned to be a little bit more flexible. Like, of mm. course, as we've gotten more, more practice, um, the last few episodes... Um, we have changed a couple tent poles, uh, swapped around the order of episodes that we were going to do as things came up. Um, and just like since we're more practiced, I think that's less disruptive to mm-hmm. us now mm-hmm. than it would have been a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. Cool. Unlike two of the last episodes recently, we swapped a tent pole with less than five days notice. Yes, yes. Um, or like we've looked forward and said like, oh, actually, like we have a, an episode coming up like three episodes from now. And I just thought of this tentpole, which would be so much better. Do we want to swap that in? Mm-hmm. Um, so just like I think that's like more flexible and it's cool. Uh, next question. Uh, Lizbeth asked, do you have any thoughts on the shifts in AU trends in fanfic? I've noticed the emergence of new AU tropes like YouTuber AU or social media AU, etc. Any old AU trends that you are sad to see fall out of favor? I miss the ridiculous fusions with really old fandoms. I miss uh, Sentinel AUs. <laughs> mm. 
But that's because I'm fandom old, I guess. But I think that the new AUs are super cool. And it's a thing that fandom does all the time. Fandom mm-hmm. loves coming up with AUs. Fandom has lots of waves and trends. Because, I mean, everyone engaging in publishing, apart from maybe some of the more stuffy litvic professors, is in a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So if I write a space book in which the belief of the people on the station affects how the magic works, I'm in conversation with Yoon Ha Lee. And mm-hmm. I know that, and Yoon would know that if he read the book. Um, and in fanfic, I think that that is accelerated because you don't have the publishing timelines. So you have this really cool, engaged conversation where someone can say, you know, it'd be really awesome if we had an Instagram influencer AU of Wei Wushan and write it. Yeah. And then someone else can go, but what if it was Ni Hui Sang? And someone else in a totally different fandom be like, you know what? Haikyuu could do with some Instagram influencer AUs. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if that's true, Freya. You will have to fix that for me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I think it's cool. Yeah, and look, I'm going to find this a difficult question because, as usual, I don't read a lot of fanfic. Honestly, like, even less than you think I do. (laughs) Um, Mm. But I do enjoy reading things like YouTuber AUs and social media AUs if they're particularly recommended to me because it feels like a whole new version of Take Your Fandom to Work, which Mm. is what I love. Like, I always love those really deep dive (laughs) stories right. where the characters are doing the job that a person clearly knows very well. Like that one Merlin fic they were, where they were meteorologists in the army. <laughs> and you think, okay, sure, I guess. But it was it was fascinating. And I've always loved that. And I think, obviously, you know, now that being a YouTuber or an influencer is considered a job, you know, as millennials and probably like on the older side of millennials – it's not something that we are enormously close to or have grown up with, but... Freya, aren't we influencers? No. We are a little bit influencers. <laughs> we Well, technically, we are a little bit inf- influencers because sometimes publishers, like publicists, like publicists at publishers will like email us to be like, hey, will you have someone as a guest on your podcast? And I we'll be like, we don't really do... You don't mean that kind of influencer? No, I mean, I mean... We're not. I'm mostly teasing Freya, I think, because we don't set trends. No, and we're not professionals in this particular area. This is why it's called oh, a fan true. cast. Like, we we don't make our living <laughs> telling people what they should be reading and directing them towards it. We, yeah, you're right. We don't make trends. We are analytical and reactive. We are not attempting to push the trend of fan fiction or publishing well, in any one direction. Oh, yeah, we we're have some, like, small agendas. Where I just yell about sex scenes all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's also true. But we're, no, we're trying to, this is part of why we founded the podcast, was to tongue-in-cheek. Push the we conversation. We are, tongue-in-cheek, our motto is that we are a fan cast of deep literary merit. Um, mm-hmm. But we genuinely believe that every work we talk about, except for things by Marvel, is a work of deep literary merit. Including the fan yeah. fiction. And that's something that we're trying to push. Anyway, back, back uh, yeah, to the yeah. question. Back to the question. <laughs> I enjoy reading them because it feels like a glimpse into a world that I don't particularly know. And I always like that in combination with fanfic because you can enjoy the glimpse into the new world while having it coupled with something familiar and enjoyable. Okay, scattershot round. Yes, yeah, so Callum has asked us some brief questions, one for each of us. So... Alex, who's your favourite character from the Chance Literary Universe, brackets CLU? 
Um, it's gonna be either Ilfing or possibly the entire nation of Arashd. Nope, cheating. <laughs> so Ilfing then. So Ilfing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think it has to be Ilfing. <laughs> and Freya, quest- your favorite gin. My favorite gin. Can't ask yourself. I can ask myself. I'm very okay. self-reflective. Fair enough. <laughs> My favourite gin is the Four Pillars Modern Australian Gin. Four Pillars is a Victorian Ooh. distillery. It is one of my favourite gin makers, and their Modern Australian Gin is probably my favourite. If you are mm. looking for recommendations that might be more available elsewhere <laughs> in the world, my runner-ups are Roku Gin, which is Japanese, and The mm. Botanist, which is Scottish. They are all fantastic. Yes. Macy, Very nice. what is the best platform to publish fanfic? God, I mean AO3, but if I was being a troll, I'd say Live Journal. <laughs> oh, Live Journal. No, okay, there's just. I, uh, do you remember the days of Fiction Press? Yes. And like Fiction Alley, and there were so many places that when you type fic into your browser bar, it would have like three options to autocomplete to. And you like. I remember the days when the fanfic feuds? was hosted on GeoCities. I bet. The feuds <laughs> between the authors as to which sites they would let you have their fic on. Ugh. Mm. Anyway, AO3 yeah. is so much better than everything else. It has a download button. Yes. Just put it on AO3. Macy, please talk about how um, AO3 won a Hugo for its uh, search function. (laughs) AO3 won a Hugo for its existence um, and everything about it, which is excellent. And so, yes, Yes. you should host and publish your fanfic on Hugo award-winning archive of our own. own. Yes. Yes. And also give them money so they can keep buying servers. Otherwise, all the fic will go away because the yeah. internet is not, in fact, free. Yes. Anywho. But truly, think of the last time that you found you had a website that had a search function as strong as AO3. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. We do love them. Next we do. question. Alejandra asks, what does an average day in your lives look like? Um, well, I'll go first because I right now am completely self-employed, uh, being, I used to have a day job, but, uh, when the quarantine happened, I was like, no, I will not continue having a day job in the pandemic. I don't need one. Um, so I read fic for a while and then I putter around on the internet for a while and then I, uh, procrastinate from writing and then I procrastinate from doing any of my creative projects and then it'll be like roughly nine o'clock in the evening and I'll start like panicking that I haven't gotten anything done in the day (laughs) and then I'll frantically try to get something done and go to bed at around 1am. Question, where is the four hour block of you sewing quilt patterns together while listening to real time play podcasts? Okay, thank you. I was when I was like having my really good motivation. I just talked about talked to my therapist about this actually, like motivation and like momentum and so forth. I was listening to between eight and ten hours of yep. of uh, campaign skyjacks per day, uh, and on days when I can do that, I usually get to it around like ten thirty or eleven. I usually have like a late breakfast, early lunch, kind of a brunch situation, and then I start working on things. And then I can hyper focus and work consistently until I start getting hungry. Okay. Yeah. Average day. Alright. Well I have two day jobs and right. the balance between them and everything else in my life varies a bit from day to day. But let's pick a Wednesday, for example. <laughs> So Love us a Wednesday. A Wednesday. All right. So I wake up at 6.15 in the morning. I go and get breakfast and then eat it in bed while checking Twitter. I don't always do this, but currently it's winter. So I like run downstairs, get my food, come back up and like huddle. <laughs> Blanket. 
<laughs> and have my first cup of coffee so I can wake up. Um, and then I go to my clinical job and work sort of a four, five hour shift there. Then I come home and have lunch. And then because my second job is currently remote, uh, entirely work from home, I then replace my you know fun times laptop with my work laptop and work from it until five. I have to, at the end of my workday, do some kind of exercise to break up the sitting in front of work computer from the sitting in front of fun times computer. So I usually do um, a YouTube yoga video or like an ab workout or something like that just to break things up. I heard Freya's ripped. Freya has an eight pack. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Freya discovered Chloe Ting's ab workouts and they are evil. But they're very good at making your brain turn off because all you're doing is thinking how much your abs hurt. And that's what I'm really looking for is something to turn my brain off from the workday. And then I usually write for a little bit before making dinner, depending on how much writing I need to get done or feel like getting done. I'll usually write for a little bit more after dinner. Uh, and then I usually read for a couple of hours before bed. Whereas I will have my alarm go off at seven. I will hit snooze two or three times and then it'll be 7.30. I will panic, um, roll out of bed, jump into the shower, try to wash like three feet of hair in like five minutes uh, because I have an 8am stand up every morning with New York. Um, Mm -hmm. They, the lucky bastards, experience at 11am, which is unfair. Um, Mm -hmm. I get dressed in work clothes um, because I change clothes between my work day and my at-home day because it's all in the same house. And otherwise I can't tell what time is. Yes. Um, And I then spend eight hours doing day job things, um, usually like yelling at clouds. Uh, is literally my job. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> at yelling the at the cloud. <laughs> yes. Well, yelling at internet clouds. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yelling at, yelling at Kubernetes and then yelling at people who think Kubernetes is actually a thing um, and is the future of cloud computing. Uh, sure. I mean, I, I guess. I'm very This is sorry a different podcast. This is a different podcast. Um, uh, tune in, O'Reilly. Um, no, I sometimes they pay me to yell about this in public and then I have to be nicer and that's rude. We're very, we're very proud of you I, for being paid by O'Reilly sometimes. Sometimes they pay me money to draw me pictures of giant birds. Um, then usually I will try to have remembered to eat lunch at some point. I will knock off at about four, change into my not at work clothes, um, eat some dinner because I'm early shifted, I guess. And Mm. then generally watch an episode of something to de-stress my wrist. Uh, So immobilize the wrist, put a heat pack, put an ice pack. Because chronic RSI is a disability. Friends, don't fuck your wrists. Don't fuck your wrists. Um, Do either some PT or a sunset run. And I will try to get um, generally like an hour or two of being useless and procrastinating at a computer of some kind. And get half an hour of writing squeezed in amongst the procrastination. Mm. And maybe afterwards read some book, um, or if we're being honest, some fic. And that's yep. about how my yep. day goes. Mm-hmm. And we have a question next. Okay, Devon on Twitter asked, what weird animal fact would you most like to steal and apply to the world building of an SFF novel? I am a huge nerd for things that are bioluminescent. Yes. I think that animals that can glow their own damn selves are incredibly cool and and weird. And actually, when I was first designing the 
uh, Chant Literary Universe, as I guess it's called now, CLU. Um, uh, like, I sat down and I was like, okay, the two big things that I want for this world is that I want tons of bioluminescent shit, and I think I want to do a lot with, like, megaflora and megafauna. The megaflora and megafauna stuff kind of fell by the wayside. The bioluminescent stuff absolutely stayed. Uh, you have seen it in Conspiracy briefly when, with the little the little story about the moonfish, which glow by themselves, and you've seen it with the Stars in the Marsh flower, which uh, is bioluminescent as well. So that's my huge nerd thing. Nice. Whereas I really like birds, um, and particularly I think albatrosses are extremely cool, and the way that they can basically live on the wing for long periods of time is super awesome. Um, so I would probably look at weird metabolism fuckery, um, possibly involving flying, but possibly not. Just how long can you live without needing more than a sip of sugar water a day? Whereas I like cool. the existence of Australia. Just yeah. in general. <laughs> no, just the existence of Australia. That is a weird animal fact. I... <laughs> I know it's it's partly social world building as well as biological slash scientific world building. The idea that there is this random island country that everybody is like, why would you go there? Everything's trying to kill you, and all the locals are very blasé about the number of shit that is trying to kill you. I tried to tell a scary spider story earlier, and it didn't work. It did not phase Freya. Freya, Freya was like, "Oh, the spider was only a size of the mouse." <laughs> you naive little child, Macy. <laughs> But on that topic, I like venomous slash poisonous things. I did actually yeah. a project when I was in primary school on um, a, a venomous, po- no, poison poison arrow frogs. Because That's you don't lick them. Right? You do not lick them. Their sweat is very, very poisonous. <laughs> and they're Yay. beautiful, bright colors to tell everybody that they are very, very poisonous. I love very them good. already. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right, so this is towards the end of the episode, dear listeners. We have a fun game for you that was su- submitted by one of our listeners. It was DM me your Weltanschau on Tumblr. Thank you, Macy. I do not speak German. Uh, it was someone on Tumblr uh, who asked, question for the extravaganza. Can you please do the thing where you two pu- where you pull two characters out of a hat, except this time describe the podcast <laughs> that they would host together? <laughs> We love games and we love this. So I have taken, uh, each of us has submitted two characters from our own works. Mm-hmm. Um, I have um, written them on pieces of paper. I wrote our names down on them so we would have, so no one would have the two characters right. together. It's going to be, yeah. yeah. Um, and I have taken uh, the liberty to already arrange them uh, so that nobody has two characters of their own together. I don't know which characters they are though. So the first one up is going to be Macy's character, Bren, and my character, Evamer. Oh, gosh. Evamer is the uh, stoic, grouchy bodyguard. And Macy, would you like to introduce Bren? And Bren is a new character from the novella that I decided to rage quit everything I was meant to be working on and write a few weeks back. And she is a salt-of-the-earth space mechanic type who swears a lot and accidentally has a god fall in love with her. Okay, okay. So they've got like, what do you do when someone extremely powerful falls for you in common, I guess? They're both- They do have they're that. They've pretty, got pretty strong sense of right. And what yeah. is right? I feel like they both like making things. 
Ooh, maybe it would be a video. Maybe it would be like a DIY video podcast where people submit like random things that they have to try and make out of random shit in their house. I think that would be really cool. Um, I haven't yet given Evermer really any hobbies because like his work is his hobby. And he's a very practical sort but of I person. Feel like he's like he, got he that appreciates kind of physical interaction with his uh, <clears throat> surroundings that Bren does. Good at carpentry. He he probably would be good at carpentry. He would be good with his hands. He would be uh, he appreciates people who are competent and who know how to do stuff. So I can see him really having a deep respect for Bren knowing so much about like engineering and Oh, you know what would actually be super fun? Would be the two of them critiquing other people's DIY projects. Oh, that's good. Evermere trying to be respectful and like generous but like fair uh-huh. and Bren just snarking. Love that. And like getting real deep <laughs> and mean and Evermere's just like what? And then very now, occasionally sure they very occasionally they do a special where they make something in a garage. Yeah. And Evermer reveals his biceps and the <laughs> YouTube comments section goes completely nuts <laughs> and Bren just makes dry comments while holding the camera. <laughs> I love this for them. Great. Love this for them. Uh, any other additions? Is this a podcast? I guess like most of the time it can be just verbal. But yeah, I mean it can be it can be like a, a YouTube channel. I think that counts as podcast. Uh, Claire, Claire Rousseau sure. got nominated for best of fan cast, so it totally counts if it's on YouTube. <laughs> All right, next one is uh, Freya's character Maud versus May- Macy's char- character the Duchess. Oh God! Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So Maud, Maud Blythe is a secondary character in A Marvelous Light, but I am currently writing the sequel in which she has a much larger role. And she is a small ball of Gryffindor righteousness mixed with very poor impulse control. Uh, uh, and I'm just having to think about in terms of her interests. Anyway, you, you introduce Duchess first, and I'll have a think about what more might do as a podcast. Oh, I already have an answer for what this podcast is, but please go ahead. I was trying to pull up my entire name for the Duchess, because we know her merely as the Duchess. Mm. But her entire name is the Duchess Carolyn Amalia Sophia Di Meglio. Amazing. Mm-hmm. It's very important. It's very important. And she's from Catalyst, um, so, right? Yes, the Duchess is, the, is Isabel's mother from Catalyst, who... 25 years ago, fucked up an entire kingdom by running away to marry the man she loved. And as a consequence, has never allowed anything improper or incorrect to happen in her life again, ever. And see, this is a very interesting... She's an absolute harrod. This is an interesting combination because a large portion of Maud's personality (laughs) is her reacting against the fact that she had an absolutely terrible, pretty much narcissistic mother who tried to control her life. So the Duchess doesn't quite control her children, but the Duchess shows her love by giving them more homework. Mm. So my first instinct is that this is kind of a social etiquette podcast, like uh, Schmanners, mm. possibly. I was thinking almost like an agony aunt. Yeah. so <gasps> different. That's yeah. true. They would do a very good, very different dynamics advice for people ask, writing in. Right? And they'd have such knockdown, drag out fights. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, they and would. icy silences. <laughs> and like refusals. To, this would have to be something that was facilitated by some sort of company or corporate thing when they didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> they would like refuse. There would be like people would try to rage quit and get like sued by their contract holder. Yeah, or they do three episodes Maybe. of it and both of them think it's going disastrously because they can't agree on anything yeah. and the ratings and go through the roof. It. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. 
I think that it would be really cool. Like, like someone writes in and they're like, I have this big problem. Like, how do I, how do I throw a uh, baby shower for my, my cousin and, and do it really well? And the Duchess would give like very like proper kind of answers and Maud would give like fun answers and then they yell about it together. Right? Yeah. Cool. I I think almost more like more like Captain Awkward style. Yeah. Like there's this really sticky situation, or like the am I the asshole? Post yes, yes, the yes. They would always, always the agree, yes. disagree on who the asshole in the situation was. Oh, always, <laughs> always. Except for when they did. Except for when they didn't. Yep. And those are. And then they'd be deeply uncon, like they'd be deeply disconcerted by the fact that they agreed and have to have an argument about how why their reason for thinking that was totally better than the other one's reason. I would love to read this fan fiction. Would you pl- <laughs> would you two please go write this fan fiction for me? Thank you. No. All right. Absolutely. The not. last one then is Freya's character Edwin and my character Tadek. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, let's be fair. They're both nerds in different ways. Are we going to introduce yeah. them? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Please. Uh, Tadek is from another character uh, from the same book as Evermer. He is uh, flirty. He is a little bit of a Slytherin. Uh, he has a very like happy-go-lucky approach to life, and he is like lazy to the extreme. He never wants to do any real work. He's allergic to that. Um, he's very uh, conscious of, of fashion, and he goes to see plays constantly, and he's really just here to have a good time and not be stressed out about shit. Edwin has never met happy-go-lucky in his entire life. <laughs> no, he has He is a magician who doesn't have a lot of power and has compensated by angrily becoming the most library study nerd you have ever met. Mm. He really likes systems. He likes looking things up in books. He likes solving puzzles. I think that's his the main joy he gets out of life is in coming across a thorny intellectual or scientific puzzle um, and being able to work it out and solve it from first principles. He does not tend to get along with other people. He is happiest in his own company. He's a library nerd and Mm. he's not into fun. He finds things fun. Other people do not find them fun. (laughs) You know, there's that uh, real Ghostbusters thing that fandom latched onto and does a ton of RPF about. Oh, yeah. Um, BuzzFeed Unsolved. BuzzFeed Unsolved, yes. Because I'm feeling something really like yeah, they'd, they'd be a really, they'd be a total odd couple about, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about things. And yeah, but they'd need to find some kind of shared interest that they could come at from different directions. And it would have to be fun enough that Tadek would not leave Edwin to do all the work in the group project. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the Otherwise, danger here. it would just be Edwin getting I mean, annoyed. I feel like the way that you... The way that you fix that is you make it have to involve dealing with people who Tadek would be great at, but also would flirt Tadek and thus have fun. Tadek would absolutely run the social media account um, and be fantastic about it. I think that this is one of those podcasts where, because Tadek's great strength is that he can talk to anybody and he can right. like at least feign interest in anything. He's like hugely socially conscious. What? True, True mysteries. mysteries. That's sort of what I was mm. thinking of, except it, like like maybe more science based, like like scientific mysteries, or or like here's things that have been unsolved, or like scientific puzzles, and like so the podcast is Edwin like explaining science things to Tadek, and Tadek like flirting with him the whole time, and like get, bringing that sort of like fun levity and being kind they of they would the be a really good, like um Mythbusters, yeah, 
where you've got someone doing a lot of sort of research, background science, setting something up, and then somebody being very exuberant and funny yeah, about the right. thing. Yeah. So I think that I think that um, they could make it work, or really Tadek's uh, incredible social skills would make it work. <laughs> it's true; they would be actually quite a good combination because they could do it on almost anything. Yeah, and Ed would right. like obs- Edwin would obsessively fact check and research and make sure it was interesting, and then just hand the script to Tadek, who would look at it once and be like, "That's boring. I'm just going to ad lib." Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Cool. We'd do an entomology podcast if you got Tadek like interested in weird bugs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They yeah. could do anything. pretty much anything. Anything. Yeah. Well, this has been delightful fun, dear listeners and darling serpents. Thank you so much for joining me on this uh, episode seventy. We've done seventy episodes of this podcast now. That can't be right. It can't be right. Can't be we can't right. have done this seventy times. Uh, Man, no, I'm pretty sure at least half of those are just a fever dream that I had once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, darling listeners, we asked you some questions at the top of the episode. You should tell us the answers. You really should because. We miss humans. We do. Please come talk. And you guys are humans. <laughs> I've <heard>. Theoretically, <laughs> you guys are humans, probably. <laughs> probably. We're not. We're just snakes. We're just, just snakes. snakes. We're just here for a good time. Just snakes. Anyway, <laughs> good night, darling listeners. Thank you so much. <laughs>